Attention all units, make a podcast, the SAFD Heat Podcast. Start now. From beautiful downtown San Antonio, deep in the belly of the beast at Public Safety Headquarters, this is SAFD Heat. Here is your host, Woody. Another edition of SAFD Heat and another edition where my partner Joe Arrington is out on vacation again. I don't know how much vacation time this dude has, but he's burning it up, man. I think retirement's around the corner, right? Yeah. Isn't that a sign? Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, when when uh, one of your partners just starts uh, disappearing all the time, trying to uh, maximize built-up vacation. Yeah. He won't admit it, but, uh, you know, I don't see him that much anymore, so... Uh, Guys, welcome. Uh, welcome to this podcast. This is a, a special podcast on, on a very serious subject. So, uh, how, how do we how do we um, address a serious topic without being too serious? That's the difficulty that we find ourselves in here today. Uh, to my right, we have uh, a newly promoted chief. That's right, Chief O'Neill. That's right. Now assistant. Just stop me if I get it wrong, because I'm a you know I'm a civilian. So even though I've been here a number of years, I, I screw things up. Yeah, it's something like that. Assistant uh, chief, I am under Chief Norris, who's mm-hmm. the deputy. So I'm his executive officer. Uh, we're over support services, so we do things uh, that support operations and everything within the fire service as a whole, the department as a whole, even the city through like community risk reduction and that sort of thing. Okay, and so I I, I noticed that when when you were promoted up, all of a sudden, the you know the duties that were just thrown right on you. I mean, I got emails from you like day one or two, probably with 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 lists of things. So right, yeah. yeah. So you know, moving into administrative role, being you know shift work most of my career, that's mm-hmm. a change, and you mm-hmm. get hit with all these uh, new uh, areas you're supposed to approach. So I always try to reach out to the experts like you to to kind of guide me along the way for the first few months and yeah. till I get my bearings. Usually when I would see you, I don't know why this always happened, but it seemed like it was two in the morning at an apartment fire or something with, we'd have right. just very little media, but I'd have to go out there anyway. And, uh, that's, that's how I have been communicating with you over at least the past couple of years. Right. So I was at, I was at four Oh on the A shift for, mm-hmm. for quite a while. And, and there's tons of apartments there, and yeah. and the two guys that are here talking today were probably there with me. Yeah, um, they were at four O as well. So I don't know why it was always like one a.m. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, typical for for that side of town for some reason. We didn't make a lot of fires, but when we did, they were in the middle of the night, and they were big apartments. Yes, sir. Okay, you want to introduce our two guests today? Yeah. So uh, uh, seated across from me is. Uh, ICT Jason Hoover. He was my aide at 4.0 on the A shift for several years. I've known Jason for uh, over 30 years since Taft High School. So, uh, wow. and then, then of course, we're in the department together now. Mm-hmm. And Jason was diagnosed with uh, stage three kidney cancer last year. Last year, yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, so to see uh, my friend of 30 years kind of struggle with that, it was uh, occupational cancer and what that meant mentally for him to uh have to worry about his son and his future and then coming back to work and still having a long career to work Mm -hmm. um so i brought him along to talk about that today and then jason postel is over to my right and uh jason postel is our new safety captain on the a shift uh very deservingly so the a shift's very blessed to have him 
Um, and uh, he's going to talk a little bit about uh, our new uh, peer support critical debriefing SOP. Uh, we've changed some of it. We changed the process with it. And the uh, safety captains are going to coordinate that because they're on 24-7. So he's going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned the subject, but I think everyone has an idea now. We're going to talk about mental health. That's right. So mental health, like I said, a serious subject. Right. So it's a serious subject in the fire service. It's been an issue for decades, but never really uh, approached, never really directly uh, tackled within the fire service as a whole. Like uh, many things, the San Antonio Fire Department is leading the way on this. Um, We have a robust program already. We see all the offerings we have in the daily messages with our uh, peer support program and our uh, suicide hotline connections and um, employee assistance program, behavioral health. So we have a lot of programs. We have a yearly mental health screening. Of course, we have Dr. Graham, our staff psychologist. Um, but we're advancing those things and we're kind of trying to change, change the culture out there because mm-hmm. right now our culture is kind of passive. We'll, we're with each other at the fire stations 24-7. So we get to know each other like families. Right. And when you get to know each other like families, you know when somebody is struggling. COVID kind of made that worse. You know, everybody went away to their bunks. We didn't really talk to each other. And what we're trying to do is is get the crews out there to um, recognize issues among each other and approach each other, support each other before um, things uh, get out of hand. Um, Yeah, we have a new slogan that you're going to see a lot out there in the field, hopefully. And it starts with offer to help, not ask for help. And the, the entire slogan is offer to help, ask for help. But why are we saying offer to help someone first? Right, so... Research shows that, and there's limited research, by the way, in the fire service when it comes to suicide ideation, which is, you know, thinking about suicide, mm-hmm. uh, PTSD, but it's all starting to emerge. And what research shows is that the thing that prevents suicide among first responders is other first responders. So, you know, we have these programs in place, like I said, that require you to call, require you to reach out. And that's great. But what Chief Hood would like to do is open as many um, avenues as possible for people to get help so that if we could just maybe save one life, we've done well. And uh, a big part of that is the peer-to-peer discussions that happen at the dinner table. Um, We're trying to create a culture where we no longer ignore issues among each other. We treat each other more like family and just like you would with your own family at home you're not going to ignore uh, issues with substance abuse or uh, possible anger outbursts. You know, things when maybe a crew member who's been a, uh, in for 20 years all of a sudden starts drinking and didn't drink before or all of a start, sudden starts, you know, having anger outbursts and wasn't like that before. Those are, you know, key signs that something could be going on and we shouldn't ignore those things. Several people in the meeting yesterday mentioned uh, personal appearance when showing up for a shift. Right. Is that, so there, there's a, you know, someone that's normally put together, maybe healthy into exercise, all that stuff starts showing up for shift, maybe not looking so well. Right. And so like what we know from research is there are coping mechanisms we have. So, you know, society calls on firefighters to be there uh, at the worst times. And I know for me personally, when I came into the department and I first started seeing tragedy and, and people suffering, uh, 
it actually affected me less than it does now. And I've been uh, pretty much out of the front lines for eight years now as a, as a battalion chief. I wasn't the one uh, treating the patients or seeing the things happen or have the pressure on me uh, to do something directly. Yet uh, it's still the things I've seen early in my career still I still think about those things. So I know if that's happening with me, I know it's happening uh, to a greater degree to people who are in the field even longer, especially medics. Um, and so uh, what we know is that we want to um, no longer just ignore those things and keep, keep have people keep these things to themselves. We mm-hmm. want people to talk about them. Okay. So why is it so hard to talk about needing help? I think it's, uh, you know, just a matter of history and, and personal pride and not, not wanting to show weakness. And, um, you know, I think it's just tradition to not ask for help, you know, right. go, go it alone and, you know, you can handle it yourself. And uh, I think there's a stigma associated with, you know, people thinking that you might be weak for asking for help or seeking help. And uh, let's pause right there because that's the big hurdle. Because the truth is, that's not true anymore. Absolutely. It's almost, well, it's not almost. It's worse to not ask for help. And if you notice somebody that needs help and you don't do anything, that's the shameful, that's the embarrassing thing. Right. Right. That's, there should be the stick, the stigma should be on that. Absolutely. These days. Right. There's so much in our society now that's out in the open with treatment in a variety of, of, of ways, not just something for the fire department, but just the way society functions now. That's to me as an outsider, someone who is a civilian, but who watches the department carefully with the job that I do. That's this, you know, the stigma needs to be moved from, like you said, um, you know, I'm tough or I, I don't want to get in trouble or I don't want to be embarrassed or whatever, whatever those things are. Yeah. We need to switch that because, again, if you don't seek help for yourself, for the sake of yourself and or your family, or if you notice your brothers and sisters that that you're with in the station having issues and you don't say anything, the stigma, stigma needs to move over there. Like the, the, the negative needs to move over there, right? Right. right. So- I'm going to, I'm going to pass this over to Jason, but uh, one reason that I had him come on to um, Captain Postel here mm-hmm. is because I've known him uh, for a long time since we were at 17. So I've known him for over 10 years now. And just as a person, he's somebody who always uh, is wanting to help. You know, typically as people, we talk to each other and we say, you know, uh, let me know, let me know if I can help you. He doesn't approach it like that. He always uniquely will say, how can I help? Almost to the effect, I'm going to help you. You just let me know in what way you want me to help. So I'm going to let him talk a little bit about his thoughts on the subject. Yeah. So as firefighters, we uh, innately want to help. I think we came into this job to help and to solve problems. And um, sometimes in our job, we start getting burned out because we feel like we we are unable to solve the problems for the public um, or we feel like there are too many problems coming our way and we're not able to solve them with the time, the energy that we have, the resources that we have. And so I do see in in the field, a lot of guys that are starting to hurt mentally because of that, they feel like they're not fulfilling 
the job that they signed up for as far as helping people out because they can't or the people won't accept the help. And so when we can, if we can convert our energy to each other to help each other out, that's one way I cope. I, I'm able to cope with things because firefighters will accept help from you if you present it in a way like, like Chief just said. It's not um, to put somebody down or make somebody feel bad. It's just we're all in this together. What can I do for you? How can I help you out? And it could be something simple as a kind word or just bringing somebody a cup of coffee. Um, I, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, I was, I was brought here primarily to discuss my experience with, uh, you know, dealing with kidney cancer and, and, uh, my, you know, health issues and mental health issues re- regarding that. But, uh, actually, you know, both these guys were here for me when I was going through a divorce and, uh, you know, I was having some issues at home and going through a divorce and for me coming in and, and just talking it what over with the guys at 17s, uh, that was, you know, cathartic for me and really helpful. And that, that was the way I was coping, but I know, you know, both chief O'Neill and, and captain Postel, you know, they were both there constantly, you know, uh, I can't tell you how many times Postel offered to, you know, he had some property that, you know, I could go to and take my son and just get away and, you know, experience some time away from, from the home situation I was going through. And, you know, I really appreciate both of them for that. And, you know, just, just them being there, just saying, you know, I'm here for you, whatever you need. And just talking to me was, was really helpful in that, in that uh, situation that I was having. So I get to sit here and face you while you're saying what you just said. And I could tell, or I could see some emotion in your face, in your eyes. And that's what this podcast needs to be. Y'all brought lots of notes and different things, and that's great. So if there's anything we don't hit that are in those notes that we need to say, I want to say it. But what I like right now is we're just having an honest discussion. And that's how we're going to reach our folks in the field. Do you all agree with that or, or uh, no? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Yes, sir. Okay. So we want everyone to be a part of these efforts. Very soon, and maybe already, I don't know, by the time this podcast gets released, and it's always a slow trickle with the podcasts because folks don't always check their email regularly, etc. So uh, maybe by the time you're listening to this, you have seen a poster that says, know the signs, and these posters are going up in every station. We try to make this simple. It's got a QR code on there. You can scan that on your phone when no one's looking, if you, if you don't you know, don't want to make that public. And it's going to go to a special page that's made just for the field that has resources on that page and also has a video that you have to watch. Right. So talk about the video. Absolutely. So, uh, Kevin Burke is a firefighter and I believe he's at rescue. Um, he's a poet rapper. Um, he has his own YouTube channel, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he created a a video, um, on his own experience with, uh, mental health issues. And, um, and he's been gracious enough to allow the department to use it as part of, as our initiative. So, uh, and this is an approved video, by the way, we want everyone to know. Right. And he's very talented and it's a very powerful video. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Um, to get to it, you go, go to that poster, hit the QR code yeah, and it's right there and it's It'll right start there. Yeah. Right. So, you know, within those resources in that QR code is of course the resources that you see on your daily messages. 
Um, but also, um, we're trying to add layers to that and, and we want, um, like we said before, we're, we want you to be able to talk to your people. So we, we have some testimonials on there, some quotes and, and that sort of thing. We also have a link to the wellness app and, you know, really not a lot of people have the wellness app. Um, we need to start downloading that because it does offer a lot of resources for us and, uh, it's a great tool that we can use with technology that you could access from home and you could do it anywhere um, if you're having any sort of issue. Okay, question. Okay. I don't want to download that app because someone's going to track me and they're going to know it's me and they're going to know I'm looking for help and I don't trust this app that came from upstairs at public safety headquarters or they're telling me download it, use this app and they must be tracking me. Right. That's yeah. what I hear. No, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I was in the field for a long time. I, I understand that sentiment. Um, it's not true. It's not true. At all. Um, we, the administration has nothing to do with being able to track the app other than the total number of users of the app. Right. And that's it. Yes. And so we know we have, I believe, 800 or something users of the app. But we would like which is horrible. Which is horrible. Horrible. When, right. When you when you think about a free resource that is as easy as downloading TikTok to your phone, you know, it's yeah. it's a simple process. And especially uh the leaders in the field, the supervisors, the officers, um, you know, I think it's a good thing for them to have that app because, you know, they're gonna have firefighters ask them for help, ask them for connections and and they'll have it right there on their phone. Because as an officer, as a as a chief, we all know we get calls at home sometimes, and we don't have access to our desktop or whatever resources we leave at the station. But if you have that app on your phone, you could quickly uh, help out. You know your your crew member or whoever it is calling. And you don't need to remember what it's even called because when you scan the QR code on the poster, and you scroll down just a very little bit, there's links and they're live links, and one is for Apple and one is Google Play. And boom, you're right there. You can just get it. Right. And so, you know, technology, I mean, it's not that big of an advancement in technology, but no. the fire service is slow and, um, and it's just another, you know, it's different cause you're putting it on your personal phone and, yeah. and so people have worries about that. I, people still, I think won't believe it, but it is true. There's other than user numbers, no one's watching you to get you in trouble or, Right. This to do is, anything. It's for it's for your help and your benefit. Right. This is purely a way to reach out for people to to find help easier. Um and, and like I said, Chiefhood is really big about opening as many avenues as possible for people to get help because mm-hmm. uh you never know when you know that moment strikes somebody that that easy access to help is the difference in their life. Um, where if it was more difficult, maybe, maybe that never occurred for them. Cap, I feel like you're, maybe you want to jump in or actually I just want you to jump in. (laughs) You should jump in. All right. I'll jump in. I mean, your thoughts on this, the app, um, folks maybe being leery to download something work related like that. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard the the rumors. I got the feeling that like y'all are saying, but I, it is just a, a resource to help us out. Um, for you to be able to find information. Uh, a lot of times information we are do, we don't know where to go to get information. I get that jumping in the safety division. Now people are asking, well, how do I, how do I get this piece of PPE? They don't know exactly how to get to it. Mm-hmm. And so this app is just another way 
for people to be able to find answers uh, on their own. If they don't, it should make it easier because you don't have to go talk to somebody in person to find the answers. You can do it on your own uh, by your phone. Right. I think one of the areas that we kind of fall behind on when talking about the app is, you know, we're here to talk about mental health services and uh, the resources available to us. But the app is, you know, so much more than that. And, you know, I, I had seen the app and the daily messages and coming out in emails and, you know, there was a push to get people to download the app and I, you know, I didn't download it. And finally, when I got around to downloading it and I'm, I'm looking at all the resources and it's just really significant the amount of info that's in there. You know, you got, you got links directly to peer support people. You can see, you know, the list of all the peer support volunteers and, uh, you know, direct contacts for them. And, and you can, you know, see the pictures associated with them. So, you know, see people that you might've, you know, forgot that, you know, you forgot what they look like, you know, like the name sounds familiar, but mm-hmm. you, can, you can, you know, recognize them through their pictures and uh, there's, you know, self-assessment tools on there. There's chaplain support links, cancer advocate information, employee assistance program, and then even, you know, less, lesser, uh, you know, mental health related stuff. You got the SAFD phone numbers links and, and uh, station locations. So when, when you were going through your personal struggles, did we have all this? Yes. Uh, at that for- time? Fortunately, you know, it was, uh, you know, my, mine's relatively recent, you know, uh-huh. my, my cancer struggle. And um, I was, uh, I didn't, I didn't open the app immediately. You know, I was kind of caught up in the, you know, the moment I got, sure. I got diagnosed with, with, uh, with having a kidney tumor uh, in late October. And by November 18th, I was having surgery to remove the entire kidney. Wow. And then uh, they did a biopsy after that. And, you know, it was, they had warned me that it was, you know, certainly going to be cancer based on the size of the tumor. And then I got the cancer diagnosis and, uh, you know, just speaking to that, it was really shocking. You know, I hear people going through their cancer journeys and, and, you know, I have empathy for them, but I had never really imagined myself in that position of, of sitting there in front of the doctor. And, uh, you know, when I originally went to the doctor, I I knew that I had an issue, but, uh, the issue had, had kind of gone away and, you know, I was just following through with it just because I'd already started. You know, I think a lot of people would have just stopped following through, you know, at that point, uh, so then I'm sitting in front of the doctor and I'm expecting, you know, just no news really. And, and he told me I had a tumor and it was almost certainly going to be cancer. And, and, you know, it's during, you know, the middle of COVID and yeah. uh, I'm the only one in the office talking to the doctor and, um, you know, it was really, really shocking. And immediately I, I get out and I start calling family and, you know, I call chief O'Neill and Brian, Brian, you know, we've been friends forever and tell him and, and, you know, immediately I'm getting support and sympathy and, uh, pretty quickly that, you know, I, I asked, uh, you know, just, just talking to friends and family about it and, and pretty quickly the department caught wind of it. And I started getting calls uh, proactively from some of the peer support people and, and, um, family assistance people and, uh, the, um, responders first foundation reached out and, you know, just lots of resources. And then eventually I made my way to the app and, and found, a lot of the resources that I ended up using, um, including, you know, there's links on there for, for workers comp and, and cancer related issues. And, and uh, I used a lot of the resources there. So I feel very fortunate that when I did get my diagnosis, I had an abundance of options and resources available to me. It's so bizarre that you can talk to any number of people that have been through something like you've been through and they they will always say, reach out, 
for help and will talk about how that help benefited them. But yet, when something happens to you, you don't want to do it yourself. You know what I'm saying? So I'm saying that there are people listening to this podcast that wherever they are out there in the field, they have known someone probably that they worked with that went through something and benefited from seeking help. They've heard those stories, but then when it's, if it comes to them, they're afraid to reach out and we, we've just got to get beyond that. Right. So I think, you know, that's probably a pride thing. Right. Um, especially as firefighters, we don't, we're not used to being the ones asking for help. Um, we're usually the ones providing help. I want to talk a little bit about Jason when he came back. Cause I think when people have struggles, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, we kind of, you know, we hear somebody has cancer. We hear somebody sick with something in the department cause there's other, uh, diseases besides cancer as mm-hmm. well. And, um, to, to see them try to come back mentally to this job that demands so much physically of you, um, from, from the uh, adrenaline demands of, of making fires to uh, the exposure that to uh, toxic substances to, um, you know, of course the emotional part of it that we talk about to loss of sleep. Um, when your health is threatened and your life is threatened by your health, those things uh, you start to question whether or not you want to do them or not. Mm. And uh, is your life more important than this this job essentially right and so to see jason come back and try to get over that mental hurdle i know he has concerns about you know his cancer um occupational cancer and uh you know and his age to have kidney cancer at his age uh you know i think it's it's very very rare um so you know in his mind and in and in the uh health field's mind it's it's a result of this job. And so now he's back at this job and he's got one kidney now and he can't lose that kidney. Right. So he's at a fire station, you know, 24 hours and, and he's an ICT. So he's fortunate enough that he, he's not exposed to the stuff that other firefighters are, but he still, you know, has to bunker up and, and, and be in the smoke at times. And he still loses sleep and he still does all these things that perhaps, cause this cancer to begin with so you know to see him struggle with that that's eye-opening because he's not the only one right so he's he's one person but we have a lot of people with cancer in the fire department and a lot of them come back and a lot of them are making fires or um are exposed to more toxic materials so i think that's you know, we, we, when we talk about cancer, we don't, we talk a lot about the physical part of it, but the mental part of it is, is a big deal. Okay. So let's go around the table. We're reaching that point in the podcast where if we go much longer, people will not be listening. Um, but is, is there any, first of all, um, chief, is there anything in these notes that you brought that, that has to some information that you feel like you, you got to get out there before we wrap up? Right. So, um, by the time you're listening to this podcast, there'll be a mental health stand down for the department initiated by chief hood. Um, he's very passionate about, uh, the mental health of all of the firefighters, medics, everybody in the San Antonio fire department. And he really is though. This is not just, Oh, the fire chief says this, right? That man is really, really concerned 
Right. So, you know, we've always known that he's concerned with cancer and physical mm-hmm. health and, you know, the mental health part just as much. And so it's a whole package to him. It's really personal for him. Right. It is personal for him. So um, we uh, are, are trying to advance the mental health uh, programs. Um, we've made some adjustments uh, with the posters, uh, with the QR code to try to get people to um, find quicker, easier access to what they need to see. Uh, we're trying, the big thing is we're trying for a culture shift out in the field, uh, that we, um, treat each other like family. Um, Chief Hood talks a lot about servant leadership and all servant leadership means is that you get to know the people you work with in a way that you can help them for what they need help with. Mm. So if you don't know the people you work with, you're not going to know they're struggling. So you're not going to be able to help them. But if you get to know them, and you could provide that help for them. It's a responsibility. That's that's right. It's um, a responsibility. That's right. I mean, let's be honest about it. Yeah. I mean, you guys are sequestered together. Yeah. You face life and death situations together. So I, uh, in talking to a captain out in the field, a well-respected captain who's not here right now, we were talking about risk. We were talking about something completely different than this. And he said something kind of profound. He said, risk is more than just our risk of dying in a fire or being injured in a fire it's our risk of being able to look ourselves in the mirror at the end of the day. And so that has to do with not only the mental aspect of our job, but also did we help maybe a firefighter who, who ends up um, hurting themselves when we could have helped them? Did we ignore the signs? Can we now look in the mirror because we ignored something we knew was wrong? It's what I said earlier, the, the stigma has moved. That's right? right. Yeah. The stigma used to be, I don't want to say anything. And the stigma should now be, why didn't you right. say something or do something? So that's why we're saying offer to help. That's the top of the slogan. Offer to help, ask for help. That's right. Okay, Cap. Also, just to reiterate what Chief was saying. So when you offer to help, we're, we are a family. We also, as firefighters, we come in, we get on our routine, and it's the same thing every every day, or, or we like to come in and do the same thing every day. Um, but we have to realize, just like we have team cycles, uh, crew cycles, you get a young crew, they build up, they promote, you have to start over with a new crew. Uh, we have different chapters in our life. A guy that's that's got uh, 10 years in and all of a sudden he's got a new child, he's, he's going to be in a different chapter uh, than somebody that their children have left the house. So as not only just officers, but as a, a family in the fire station, we need to recognize the different chapters that people are in because that's going to change how they act and how they're, they're uh, handling stress also. If you've gone into a new chapter in your life that is stressful, you're going to come in to the day already uh, stressed out, and then you're, you're going to handle things differently. So when you see somebody that is changing, maybe, um, maybe they're just changing into a new chapter in their life. And when you do ask or offer help, like what we've talked about before, don't say, hey, do you need help? Just say, hey, I've noticed this about you. You seem like you're down. Let's go, let's go outside and have a cup of coffee. That's, that's let's go outside and awesome. throw the football. That is so true. Because if you, if you say to someone, do you need help? Everyone's going to say no first. But when you say something that shows that you care or you're just taking notice of something that's happening in a friend, people respond differently. Yeah, that's the, that's the best response I've gotten is just you, you almost don't give them the the option like, Hey, let's go, let's go outside and throw the football talk. Yeah. And uh, I, I've noticed you've been a little quieter the last few shifts. Offer to help ask for help. Okay, sir. 
yeah, for me, I just, you know, I want to say thanks for, you know, putting this together and, and for, you know, I really appreciate the department itself taking the initiative to, you know, make mental health a, more of a priority for, for, you know, its members. Uh, specifically for me, you know, the app was really helpful. I, I really wish everybody would download the app. It's such an easy thing to do. Uh, it's got such a wealth of information in there. Um, you know, self-assessments and resources and just a bunch of stuff in there. Um, also, if you know, specifically if you're going, going through cancer, you know, there's uh, lots of resources, you know, even if you don't think it's going to be a, a workers comp um, work related cancer, it's not you know, one of the presumptive cancers, uh, still reach out to, you know, Captain Garrett with the workers comp. He's got a lot of experience and he's got a lot of information. Uh, he, you know, he referred me to Dr. Hamblin, who's working with the department and, and she's super helpful and been a great advocate for, for firefighters with cancer. And that's about it. Gentlemen, I thank you all for coming. This is a difficult topic, right? Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Your firefighter family is here for you. And so scan those QR codes. This has been the latest production of San Antonio Fire Department Heat. For comments or show suggestions, you can email us at firepio at sanantonio.gov. Thanks for listening.